Well, today, the theme that we're looking at is the theme of taking initiative. Taking initiative when it comes to the way we live every area of our life, our faith, our relationships, our work, our everyday life. And to start off the message today, I want us to look at a clip from a movie from several years ago called Dead Poets Society. And in this movie, Robin Williams plays an English teacher, Mr. Keating, and he's teaching at this private prep school. And uh, it's the first day of class. He brings his class out from the classroom into the hallway where they're looking at pictures. And, uh, and he has one of his students read a line from a poem. And so we'll start with that now on this clip. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Make your lives extraordinary. What he's saying here is take the initiative in life. Develop. Do all you can to become the person that... that you're designed to become, grow and progress. In other words, don't be, be a, a someday person, someone whose philosophy is not carpe diem, but rather carpe manana, you know, I'll seize tomorrow, I'll, I'll get around to doing what's important in my life tomorrow, someday I'll get around to dealing with those issues in my life, because folks, someday never comes, does it? Tomorrow is never today. You know, if we were to put a spiritual overlay on this clip that we've just seen from this movie, it would be the theme that we're looking at today from this message on Proverbs, uh, the, the theme of taking the initiative. You see, the Bible is saying to you and to me through the Proverbs that, that we're to take initiative when it comes to, to the important areas of our life. Don't be a someday person. Do you know what the book of Proverbs calls someday people? <laughs> We're not going to like the term any more than we like the term fool that we looked at the last couple of weeks. But, but the book of Proverbs calls someday people sluggards. It's an endearing little term, isn't it? Sluggards make us, makes us think of a, a snail or a slug, something that's not making much progress. And you know, that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying, is that when you and I put off what's important in life, if we say we'll get around to doing what's important and we never really do, then we're... No different, really, from a slug or a snail that doesn't make much progress. Well, the writer of Proverbs throughout the book says that there are some signs that show us that we're not taking initiative in our life. And it, and it says one of the signs is procrastination. If you're uh, taking notes and filling in the blanks, put in that word procrastination. That's one of the signs of not taking initiative, being a someday person. In other words, doing later what we really need to be doing now. And in Proverbs 6, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And what's the result? Poverty, he says, will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. I like the way that the translation, the message, paraphrases this when Eugene Peterson translates it by saying, So how long are you going to be lazy? How long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. Generally, what the writer of Proverbs is saying, that whenever a person keeps on postponing what's important in life, keeps procrastinating on, on getting around to doing what is important, we are heading down a path that isn't good in life. Now, there's another sign that the writer of Proverbs says is a sign for not taking initiative, and, and, uh, and that is uh, making excuses. 
making excuses. Proverbs 22, 13 talks about this in a bit of a humorous way when it says, the sluggard says there's a lion outside or I'll be murdered in the streets. The New Living Translation says the lazy person is full of excuses saying, if I go outside, I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. Pretty vivid imagination, wouldn't you agree? And yet as I look at my own life and I think, at some of the, think about some of the excuses I've made in my past about not doing the things that are important to be doing in life, or, or as I think of some of the excuses I've heard other people make, uh, I, you know, I've got to say they're about as absurd as what the writer is saying here about there being a lion in the street. And maybe if we go outside, we're going to be killed. Friends, what the Bible is saying to you and to me today is, is that if we ever find ourselves... Uh, making excuses for a lack of diligence in doing something that is important for us to be doing in life, we need to stop and, and we, need to, we need to say, hey, this is trouble if I continue going down this path in the way I'm living. Writer of Proverbs is saying to you and to me today, making any excuses? Are you postponing responsibilities? Are you not doing what you should be doing? Are you not dealing with issues in your life that you need to deal with? going to wind up in a condition in your life that you just don't want to wind up in. Now, as we hear this uh, from the scriptures this morning, I, I, I realize in looking out at this congregation, and, uh, and I said this in the earlier services, I realize that, that, that I'm speaking to a lot of people here today who are highly motivated people when it comes to living life. And and so maybe uh, you're thinking just like I was thinking when I first looked at these passages of Scripture and began to study them and prepare for the message. I, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I don't really procrastinate or make excuses when it comes to important stuff in life. And maybe you're thinking that today and you're thinking to yourself, hey, what does this message have to do with me? Guess I can sit this one out, you know? Well, can I share with you what I realized about my own life when I looked at these scriptures and as I contemplated my own life and, and as I read the book, uh, Bill Hybel's book, uh, Making Life Work, that's a book that we're using for, as a resource uh, for a lot of the ideas in this series. I, I realized that the issue for me and probably for a lot of you, if you're honest, is not an issue with what we might call comprehensive sluggardliness. Uh, in other words, it's not an issue with us never taking initiative or, or having universal inactivity in our life. Uh, I don't think really that that applies to too many people who are here today, if anybody. But instead, what I realized about my own life is that the issue for me, and perhaps for a lot of you, is what Hybels calls in his book, Making Life Work, selective sluggardliness. It's those little pockets of carefully, or those carefully constructed compartments in your life and mine where, where we are lazy about doing what it is that God calls us to do. Or we're lazy about dealing with an issue in our life. For example, it's the dad who, who sets record sales at work, uh, who shoots a, a four handicap on the golf course, or, or who produces a, a bumper crop in the field, or raises prime beef, or, or who's really successful in their profession but who fails to nurture the emotional needs of their wife or their child. It's the mom who, who pours her life out on the job or, or who pours herself out on the home front with her kids, but, but who neglects a relationship with the husband. And she has very little, if anything, left for him at the end of the day. 
It's the person who, who gives their all in the marketplace or, or in school if you're a student, in the sports you play or in the music or the drama or the extracurricular activities you're a part of or, or your study. It's a person who gives their all in those kinds of ways but who neglects to develop our relationship with God with the same passion and effort. Oh, we're going to do it someday, just not today and probably not tomorrow either. Or maybe it's like what I've realized as I looked at my own life and, and it's a highly relational man or, or woman or teenager who, who just loads up their life with people and activities, but they don't always tend to the soil of the interior of their life. But never look deeply down at the emotional and the spiritual needs that are there. And that whole inside of our life at times is left unattended to. It's a man or the woman who got real careless a long time ago in their spending habits and patterns. And, you know, they say, you know, I know I should put some time and energy into straightening out this mess that I'm in financially and get on a budget. But, yeah, I will someday. But someday never comes. And the careless spending continues. It's a person who comes to church on a Sunday morning and, and, and who sings, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I, I gladly bring. But then Monday morning rolls around and no patterns have changed in our life that would indicate that that's how we want to live. And the, the writer of Proverbs, if he was here speaking into our culture and here at First Covenant Church this morning, would say, selective sluggardliness is deadly. Because when we're motivated with most areas of our life, what we find ourselves tending to do, I know I do, is to kind of let ourselves off the hook when it comes to, to the area where we are being careless and say, you know, hey, for crying out loud, you know, I mean, hey, nine out of ten, that's not bad. That's pretty good after all. Take an initiative in nine out of ten areas of my life. So what's the deal? I can't be perfect. And you know, we can't be perfect. We are not perfect human beings. But what happens when that area that you and I neglect happens to be a vital or important area. Too important to neglect. I remember in our previous church a number of years ago, there was a young boy that, that came up to me on a Sunday morning and he asked me to pray for his parents. He's about five years old. He's a little guy that wanted to be in church all the time. But his parents got busy with life and a lot of times they wouldn't get the kids there to, to church and, and he wanted to be there. And I knew these folks, they were hardworking people. They had lots of areas in their life that were working. It was one of those nine out of ten deals. But unfortunately the tenth deal happened to, to deal with the spiritual life of their, their children, their family. And so what the writer of Proverbs is saying to us is that, is that we only need one area in our life that's out of balance if, if it's high-stake stuff. That area could be something like uh, the spiritual life of people or ourselves like we've just shared or, or maybe even the physical area of our life. In his book, Making Life Work, Bill Hybels tells a story about his dad uh, who had a heart attack and, and died, leaving behind his children who were still at home. 
And Heibel says he was an energetic guy who poured his life into his work. And yes, he had balance spiritually as well. He poured his life into his relationship with God uh, and his family. I mean, he was a guy who started several businesses. He loved the Lord. He ministered for Christ in significant ways in his church and his community. He adored his wife and his kids. He spent time with them. I mean, he was disciplined and diligent in every area of his life but one. Diet and exercise. He was lazy about that all of his life. And at age 53, he keeled over and died. Nine out of ten. Problem is, the tenth one killed him. Friends, if most of us look inside our lives today and we are honest with ourselves... We're going to realize, I'm sure, that for the most part, most of us are doing pretty well. But I would imagine that if you are like me, you're going to find that there's an area or two of your life where where God is speaking to your heart today and, and saying, hey, would you take initiative? Would you do some diligence in this area of your life? As we think about this this morning... What is it that we're going to do? Well, well, what I want to hope that we'll do is to go back to this remarkably insightful book of Proverbs and, and see what it has to say to us about taking initiative and overcoming uh, laziness in some areas of our life where we're experiencing it. And, and, and let's look, for instance, at Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, that, that classic passage that highlights uh, the life of an ant. And it, it tells us that we should look to an ant. That's right, an ant. And, and, and the writer of Proverbs says, take a lesson from the ants. Learn from their ways and be wise. Even though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. What's the writer saying here? Well, what he's saying here is that if we want to get smart and we want to live our life wisely, then we want to uh, learn about diligence in living our lives. We've got to enroll, he would say, I guess, in the ant academy. That's what he's saying here. I mean, he says the ant knows some things about diligence, so learn from the ant. The ant doesn't need any external prompting to get doing what it ought to be doing. He says here, the ant has no chief, no boss, no ruler, no one prodding it, no one motivating it, uh, but yet the ant takes the initiative on its own. Also, he says the ant knows what needs to be done when it needs to be done. He says the ant works hard in the summer. He realizes it's summertime, and and so he works hard through the summer so they have provision for the winter. And, and, And the writer of Proverbs is saying, learn from the ant. Learn. Because you see, the ant knows what to do, knows when to do it, and when to take action and get it done. It doesn't postpone. It doesn't procrastinate. It doesn't make excuses. It takes initiative and gets it done. And you know, as I look at my own life, and if you're honest and you look at yours, we all got to say there are areas in our life, aren't there, where we could learn from the ant. And I hope that you and I will have enough humility in us to realize that there are some areas in our life where we need to learn what God would teach us about taking initiative. You know, if that's the case for you, then in the moments that remain in our message this morning, I want to encourage you and me to do something that, that I think is really going to stretch us. I, 
I've brought with me this morning five pictures that I'm going to put up on the screen that represent five dimensions of our life. And, and as we talk about these dimensions of our life, maybe you're going to be thinking to yourself as you see or I talk about something, hey, I'm doing really well here. And maybe the Spirit of God will prompt you and say, hey, no problem here. You're doing great in that. And if so, then great, relax. But maybe as we go through some of this, you'll find one or two of these areas of our life where, where you'll, you'll find the Spirit of God prompting you and saying, hey, come on, you, you know it's time to take some initiative here. It's time to get off the couch. It's time to move the ball up the court a bit. And if that's the case, then my hope is that you and I will be open to surrendering our lives to the Holy Spirit and listening to what it is that His Spirit would say to us. Well, the first dimension of our life that we want to talk about this morning is, is our relationships. And this is a picture of a family that's gathered around the table relating to one another. And, and, and maybe this represents for you family relationships, parents, siblings, grandparents, spouse and kids if you have them. Or maybe for you it could represent uh, your friendships, uh, people you work with, people you go to school with, people uh, who are your neighbors. And when it comes to our relationships, what the Bible teaches us is that the supreme value that God wants you and me to have in our life when it comes to relating to others is to leave behind a legacy of love. Not not Hollywood's kind of love. Not not our world's kind of love, but God's kind of love. In in other words, a a self-giving, self-sacrificing always wanting what's best for the other person kind of love. That's the supreme value that God says He wants you and me to have in our life when it comes to our relationships. But as we think about that, you know as well as I do that as we live life, we, we bump and bruise one another, don't we, along the way. We at times do hurtful things to to one another and and we hurt our relationships with each other and when that happens if we don't deal with it in god's way what happens is that it resentment and bitterness grows up in us and eventually we got lots of bad feelings floating around in us about that person and maybe we think to ourselves well you know i really ought to take some action on this i really ought to resolve this relational breakdown but but man this is going to be a hassle and i just i mean i would rather not get into all of that and try to resolve it we get lazy right selective sluggardliness the writer of proverbs would say and we don't take the initiative to go to that person and extend a hand and say can we work this out some of you here this morning are saying hey my relationships are in good shape My relationships are fine. I don't have broken relationships in my life. I don't have people I feel badly about. And if so, then the Spirit of God is saying to you, hey, you're doing great, fine. But maybe others of you are saying, you know, I need to take some initiative with this. And there's somebody I need to go to and who I need to make peace with. Romans chapter 12, there's a great verse of Scripture that says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, let's live at peace with everyone. And what this is saying is that you and I need to take the initiative. You and I need to take the initiative in those relationships with people that we're at odds with, and and we've got to go to them, and and we've got to, to deal with that and bring about reconciliation. Last week in our message on 
on speaking words of truth. I, I talked at length about this idea of, of relationships and speaking words and truth with one another. And, and if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, go to the website and download the message or call the office and, and get a CD and, and listen to all that God's Word teaches us about what it means when, about living wisely when it comes to this area of our life. Because, friends, taking the initiative and healing a relationship with someone who we are sideways with is, is a lot better than, than, than ending up like a man who, who got tired of his marriage and, and he, he didn't work at it. He walked away. And, and you know what he told his pastor a couple of years later? He said, Pastor, I now realize I gave up on the most important relationship in my life because of laziness. He said, if I could roll the tape back and do it over, I would in a heartbeat. He was saying the same thing that another man wrote in a note to his pastor when he said, the thought of being out of the home and alone and divided from my kids has ripped a hole in my heart that makes me gasp each time my heart beats. Friends, some of you are being are being impacted by the Holy Spirit right now, you're being prompted to take some initiative relationally, to go to someone and say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Can we get together? Can we work things out? I said last week that I've shared with my kids oftentimes as they were growing up that the, the 12 wisest words that we could ever say, the 12 words of showing that we are a wise person is to go to someone we are sideways with and say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And you know when we take the relational initiative and we go to people who we are sideways with and we reach out a hand and we say, can we work this out? Most of the time, maybe not all the time, but most of the time the response will be, I want to try to. And, and if they don't want to work it out, God says that's their deal then. But as far as it is possible, as much as it depends on you and me, let's take initiative in this area. Let's look at a second picture on the screen today, and that is a picture of, of the workplace. And for those of you who are students here this morning, that could represent your place, your school where you go. Uh, but the workplace, our, our schools and and again, I, I got to say, looking out at this congregation, a lot of people here are very highly motivated when it comes to the marketplace or when it comes to your schoolwork. And, and maybe you're right now, you're feeling, okay, God, you're saying to me, I'm okay in this area. Uh, I'm taking plenty of initiative here. And, and if that's okay, that's, that, if that's what is God's saying, that's great. But maybe for others, that's not quite true. And so look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, where Paul says to us in the Bible, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. New Living Translation says, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. As we see this and we hear these words of Scripture, I want to ask us this morning, are you and I doing our absolute best at our place of work? And understand that, that 
as Paul talks about this, he's not just talking about the raw expenditure of energy that you and I put into doing every task at work, but, but he's also talking about here about the level of character that we display it in the marketplace or at school. He's saying, do we have a genuine concern for, for those we work with, even pointing them to a relationship with Jesus if they don't know him? Are we setting the standard in, the, in our places of work when it comes to ethics and honesty and conscientiousness and, and promptness and, and, and an attitude of love for one another? He's saying, do you and I do every project that comes our way to the peak of our potential as if we were doing it for God himself and not just for our boss or for a teacher? So we understand this morning the meaning of what Paul is saying here to us in Colossians chapter 3. Is the Spirit of God saying to some of us here today, there's room for some diligence? There's room for us to take some initiative? And are we willing to look at this area of our life today and in the days to come instead of putting it off? It's a third area in our life that the Scripture speaks to and the writer of Proverbs uh, even addresses uh, in our lives. And, and, and that has to do with an area that maybe you think now I'm going to begin to meddle. <laughs> but it has to do with our physical bodies. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20, Paul writes some verses there where he talks about being sexually pure in our life and avoiding sexual immorality. But in that passage, he also talks about the foods that we eat, what we put into our body. And, and so quite frankly, these are verses of Scripture that can be applied in, in, in some different ways in our life when it comes to how we live and the initiative we take with our bodies. In 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 19, Paul says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. That's what we sang about this morning. The marvelous love of God that sent Jesus Christ to the cross for you. He paid for your sin and mine at the cost that was so terribly high to Him. And Paul says, so you must honor God with your body. I like the way Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrases this when he says, don't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that that you can't live life however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you, but God owns the whole works. And so he says, let people see God in. And through your body? What does that mean? Well, it means that, that God wants you and me taking the initiative to glorify Him with, with what we do with our bodies and how we behave sexually, yes, but, but also how we take care of our bodies and, and, and what we put into our bodies and how we exercise and, and the rest that we, we give our bodies. As you and I hear this today, is the Spirit of God prompting you, saying something to you that He wants you to take notice of, that He wants you to to listen to, that He wants you to deal with in your life? 
Because Paul would say to us that if you and I are glorifying God with our body, we are going to feel God's pleasure. It's going to be a win-win situation. We're going to feel good and we're going to feel good about how God feels about us. It's a win-win. Now, very quickly, a fourth picture. Some of the areas that God calls upon you and me to deal with in our life, and, and that is the, the issue of money. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks at length, a little more on July 1st. We're going to do a message and look at what the Proverbs has to say to us about money. But, but handling money is another area where we can potentially be lazy, isn't it? Whether we have a little or we have a lot. You know, sometimes people who don't have a lot of money get lazy about handling it because they figure, well, what's the use? I mean, I don't have much to really manage. And, and so what's the difference when the pile's real small to begin with? But, you know, even though there's just a little of it, the Bible says it still needs to be stewarded with, with a lot of attention and with a lot of initiative. And at the opposite end of the spectrum are those of us who have lots of resources but yet who at times can get lazy about managing it because we figure, hey, there's enough to go around. I mean, why sweat it? And, 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 and you know, to whether you got a lot or whether you got a little, the Bible is saying that what you and I do with our money really matters. How we manage our money matters. It, it, it's an indicator, Jesus says, in, in the Gospels of where we are at in our spiritual maturity and in our relationship with God. The Bible says how we manage our money is important because of the precedent that we set for our children and what we teach them. The Bible says that how we manage our money is important to the poor because while what we give may not put a huge dent in our budget, it could mean life or death to the poorest of the poor in our country and our world. The Bible says how you and I manage our money is important to God uh, and to His work through the church family that we're a part of. You see, money matters because, because money is needed. Money's needed to do ministry, to, to, to get people out there to share the good news of the gospel with people who are lost and need to know the Lord's love. And, and so the scripture tells us when you and I give our tithe back to God, when we give that 10% that, that he asks, asks us to give to him as an act of worship and as a reminder to us that he owns it all anyway and he's just given it to us to manage. When we're faithful in the tithe, he says, good ministry happens. Obviously, all throughout Scripture, the Bible is saying this area of money is not a place to be lazy, but it's a place to take initiative. We don't have time this morning to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. I encourage you to take the message notes home with you and in the quietness of some time this week, take a look at that passage of Scripture and see what Jesus says about how our money and our attitude toward it and what we do with it reflects where our heart is at. And go home and, and look at this passage from 1 Timothy 6 where, where Paul talks about taking the initiative and handling money God's way. And that when we do, God will bless us. And that doesn't mean we are necessarily going to get rich and have lots of money, but it means that God will bless us in other ways. God calls you and me to take initiative in this area of our life. And then lastly, this morning, as we look at these dimensions of our life where God calls upon you and me to to take some initiative is the area of our relationship with Him. 
Again, we don't have time to read together Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, but we'll go home this week and read it. It's a poignant and a, and a remarkably pointed story that, that Jesus tells. And he talks in this story about a man who got caught up in the marketplace and work activities. And, and he says this guy did one deal after the next, and he became a very successful business person. And, and you know, that's okay. God wants successful business people. In fact, business people create jobs for others, and that is good and godly work. But Jesus says the only problem with this guy is that that all along the way, he didn't listen to the promptings to develop his spiritual life. Somehow he never could quite justify taking the energy that he was devoting to his work and to making money and to setting some of that aside each day to develop his relationship with God. And Jesus says these forces were coming in at him and, 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 and one day he gets finally to the decision point. And as he's getting to this decision point about what to do in his relationship with God and the relationship with the business, Jesus says, hey, along comes another huge opportunity. I mean, I got to tell you, it was the mother load of all business deals. And this guy is thinking to himself, hey, this is going to consume my time. It's going to consume my energy. But wow, this is going to be a huge opportunity. I can make so much more money and then I can relax and spend time with what's important in my life. Jesus says, even though this guy hears his voice, this voice that's going on in his head saying, hey, you better develop your relationship with God before it's too late. Jesus says he makes a bad decision. And he decides to do the mother load of all business deals. And that night he drops dead. Jesus looks at his listeners there in the story and he says to them, the man was a fool. He was a fool. Harsh word, but that's the word Jesus uses to describe him because he says, here is this guy who is rich toward business and rich toward all the stuff that the world says you and I got to have in order to be content and happy. But he wasn't rich in his relationship toward God. He never got around to being rich toward God. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it, that Jesus uses? What was he saying? Well, what he was saying is that, quite frankly, every human being has just so much initiative octane, so to speak. And every human being has just so much time allotted to us to use that initiative octane. So much time and energy to spend our lives on. And he says, here is a guy who took all of his time and his energy and and he put it into one area of his life. And while he did very well in that area of life, he neglected what ultimately matters the most. He neglected his relationship with God. And Jesus says, now he's going into eternity. And he's poverty stricken. Jesus says the man was very, very foolish. And in telling us the story, he's saying to you and to me today who live life in this Western American culture, don't make the same mistake. Don't make the same mistake. 
Or you might just find that you regret it at some point in your life. And if you don't regret it in this life, you will especially or most certainly regret it in eternity. Jesus says to you and to me today, are we rich toward God? Now this morning as you and I think about what God is saying to us about taking initiative in our lives, I've got to say to us that as we've sung about this morning earlier in the service and as we're going to sing about in a moment as we close, God Himself is a model of this for us, isn't He? I mean, God created the heavens and the earth and He created human beings and He spun it all into motion. And then He watched as we human beings sinned and fouled the whole thing up and did destructive things to each other and to, to ourselves. And you know how easy it could have been for, for God to say, hey, you created this mess, you deal with it. But, but He doesn't do that, does He? He he doesn't sit on his celestial couch, but instead he gets up and he says, I'm going to take some initiative. I'm going to take responsibility. John 3.16 says that God so loved you and me. He so loved the world that he what? That he sat idly by and watched the world go to hell? No. God loves you and me so much that he sent his son Jesus to be the sacrifice for your sin and mine. To be the sacrifice for your follow-ups and mine. And he said, if you just walk toward me, I've extended my hand to you. If you just walk toward me in faith and trust me and receive my forgiveness for your sin, I will bestow on you a love and a grace and a mercy that is unimaginable. Then I will put my Holy Spirit in you so that as you walk through life, not on your own power, because we can't do it on our own power, but through the power of God, we can show diligence back to Him and not be a casual Christian. In the 1980s, there was a, a song by DeGarmo and Key that, that, where, where it began by saying, I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want to live a lukewarm life. And today Jesus and the writer of Proverbs is saying to you and to me, sooner or later, you and I have got to make that choice. How casual are we going to be when it comes to the initiative that God took with us? Are you and I going to be a casual Christian? Or are we going to live our life for Him?